don't waste this this season that you're in. And I'm like, what do you mean? I want to get out of this as fast as possible. And they said, you're going to understand yourself. You're going to understand God. You're going to understand so much more about the world during this time. And this will not last forever. That, that process of um, laying on the floor, sobbing, wailing, getting it all out. Mm -hmm. um in a dark room sitting up and writing songs so i think mental health stuff like if you have a creative element to your life writing songs uh, painting doing sculpture you know getting into what you do you know what i mean whatever you do allow those seasons of difficulty to influence and encourage those creative outlets because that's going to help you process and, and heal faster welcome to the collaborative resource hub by wellness provisions we're bridging the gap between mental health, wellness, and rock and roll. I'm Amy McBride, owner of Wellness Provisions, the most badass wellness business. Hey, are you feeling a little stuck in life? I offer wellness coaching sessions. Book a session with me if you're seeking to get healthy and ahead. Sessions are available worldwide. And check this out. Wellness Provisions supplies rock and rollers with high quality supplements. We've simplified your shopping experience and given you a trustworthy place to go where you can essentially shop blindfolded. And did you know, all our Collaborative Resource Hub interviews air on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Subscribe to stay in the loop. Go immerse yourself in the full Collaborative Resource Hub experience over on our website. You'll have access to helpful resources that will inspire and educate you. So let's inspire each other. If that guy did it, so can you. Last but not least, my legal disclaimer, nothing in this interview or the Collaborative Resource Hub substitutes medical advice. Please connect with your GP if you need medical guidance. Tobin, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a long week of playing some shows this weekend and just getting out, but uh, it's good to be back and kind of relaxing a little bit, you know. How are, how are the shows? It was good. We were actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, playing a festival called Scott Fest. That was just like a Scottish Highland festival. You know, we kind of Flatfoot has the punk scene and then the Celtic scene. And they're kind of like two different worlds and you crossover stuff. So um, they're just a lot more demanding. I think in, in four days, I did 10, 10 sets. So it's just a lot of a lot of playing. And it was like 100 degrees. So it was kind of like it was a lot, <laughs> you know. So. Oh, my God. Do you take electrolytes? Yes. You're downing you're downing i mean electrolytes like as in gatorade and stuff you know just downing downing as much as you can you know whatever to keep you rolling so yeah okay um, afterwards i'm going to get your address and send you some packets to try of the stuff that i sell because i sell supplements they're the oh, cool. best electrolytes ever and they're super affordable so right on. Yeah. That's um, great. <laughs> all right so you're the singer of flatfoot 56 how would you describe your group to someone who hasn't heard you before um, we are a Celtic punk band, so you basically take folk, um, uh, Celtic folk, or Irish folk, or Scottish folk, maybe some a little bit of Welsh, and then mix it in with punk rock, and you throw the angst to that. Um, it's a very rich tradition of bands. I think most Celtic punk bands look at their roots uh, being found in bands like the Pogues uh, within the Celtic, Celtic punk scene, and then even going further back with like the Clancy Brothers and the Dubliners and things like that. So that's on that side, and then you have this awesome you know history with punk rock you know we were always into bands from like more of the 80s and 70s as a band we didn't we were growing up in the early 2000s 
but for some reason we were listening to bands like Cox Bar and the Cro-Mags and, you know, um, Gorilla Biscuits and just all these different crazy 80s bands, you know, um, Zero Boys. And um, we just got hooked into the Roots stuff and um, that kind of was what drove our foray into punk rock, so. Awesome, cool. Um, so yeah, we do the one music question, get that out of the way and then switch into <laughs> switch gears into wellness. So what does wellness or like well-being mean to you? I think internal peace, which I know is a massive statement. It's, it's like what everybody's after, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, that's a deep question. Yeah. Um, I think, I think wellness for me, it's something that I think I work with a lot of musicians and musicians struggle with this a lot because we are dopamine junkies. Almost all of us are. All our entire life is spent feeding this dopamine rush that you feel on a show. And then when you come home, you go through this massive crash uh, into depression, into um, struggle, into a fight because you want to be doing what you love doing all the time. And then you can't do it 24 um, seven. That's why you have a lot of musicians that kind of fall into this chasm of substance abuse and things like that so going back to what i said earlier about finding a lot of the the older bands uh what you realize later on and as you start touring with some of your 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 icons the guys that are you know still around from that era you realize that a lot of those guys are very much they had to discipline themselves because they wouldn't have lasted um, and they had to go through kind of a a detox program a lot of them are um recovery guys and so i loved it because whenever i talk to them or play with them they'd always have these they're very wise because they've overcome a lot mm -hmm. um if they hadn't their music wouldn't be still played they wouldn't be around and we wouldn't be encouraged by what they're doing now so um so to me wellness is is kind of a it's a constant fight it's not easy i think i'm not the poster child for doing it well when it comes to the physical working out and all of the you know the things obviously I think I think inner peace like being at peace with what you're doing being at peace with what what you feel called to I think that's a big thing is knowing your calling as a human being I think everybody's at a different place and most people spend their entire lives trying to figure out what their thing is yep. um, but being able to just kind of I was blessed like by like by the time I was 14 I knew exactly what I want to do I say I want to play music like I want to play music and I don't know how long it'll go but I want to play music and here I'm 22 years into it and I still want to do it. It's, it's kind of an affliction in a weird way. Like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, I can't get away from this. You know what I mean? It's, I'm 38 years old now and I'm still, you know, it's kind of like it's its own addiction in a way, you know, but if it's inside of you to do, it's inside of you to do and you can't. That's you know, Yeah. Like, and that's what I was going to say. Like it, when it's in your blood, I mean, I say this on a lot of like in these conversations when that calling that drive is in your blood like you can't ignore it you have to pursue it yeah so i think yeah i think the clarity of that mindset is really helpful when it comes to health mm -hmm. so like it's been helpful for me now it can very easily tip into this idea of um workaholism especially with musicians like in the world we live in right now like i, I remember when we started in the band um there were labels and there was all these different people managers and everything and basically in the last 20 years, the industry has gotten rid of most of those people as far as being essential to your career. And now it's all on you. You get to do it all. You know, you get to be a social media icon. And it's like overwhelming to keep up with all of that. Mm -hmm. Write music, 
tour. And then if you want to have a family, if you want to have any kind of stability, you can try to squeeze that in too. So um, it's very, very important to kind of just make sure that you stay grounded. The other thing too, is like, I think it's important to kind of keep, to keep wellness going for somebody in my case, this is my story. It's what I've lived. So it's all I can really speak to um, is to make sure you're around people and you surround yourself with people that are not necessarily only in your corner of the world people that are on the outside like uh, it could be relatives family members friends that are not into everything that you're into yeah uh, just kind of bring some balance you don't want to get caught up in the scene only um, I see that that's, a lot yeah I mean um, that goes for like anything because it becomes like that's so much your bubble that you don't even realize like other viewpoints other things are out there that can you know shape and can keep growing you yeah, big time. And, and I think that that's, that's one of the things in our culture right now that I, I think people are waking up to it. But we, for a while, for a little bit there, I think everybody got so scared with everything going on that everybody just shrunk up into their own corners, their safe spots, and nobody, um, nobody was willing to expand. And I think we're realizing now the unhealthiness of that, not, not being challenged in my thought process not being challenged with what I believe, not being challenged with how I think. And and I think that's one thing I've always loved about punk rock is that it, it pushes the bounds for you. It makes you challenge everything. You have that, you know, life norms, um, the way you were raised, everything. And some people do it in more of a violent way than others. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's wrong to have questions. It's not wrong to have questions, so. No, I agree. Um, what are ways that you stay grounded because you mentioned how important that is so what are things that you do like regularly or as often as you can that really make a difference well for me let's see here having those connections with people uh, i'm a i'm a big faith guy i know that's not something that's very common uh in the scene as much um it's definitely something that's <laughs> it's gotten a few uh interesting scoffs over the years for people but for me my faith has been key to keeping me sane for a lot of stuff and so prayer, um, meditation, you know, kind of getting, getting away and just talking to God and, and just having that, that process. Um, I'm very aware and, and the wounds that religion has made on people I'm very aware of. So I'm very careful to like acknowledge and respect people's situation where they're at. But at the same time, I can't deny the impact that my faith has had on my life. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I respect maybe what you've gone through and i'm not saying it doesn't exist I'm, i was a pk as pastor's kid you know i i understand what church can do um and be because anytime you're in relationship with people look at the scene itself anytime you're in relationship with people in general uh, it's a risk you're risking um wounds being caused because people are flawed we just got <laughs> a lot of a lot of everybody's got a lot of crap you know uh I mean, just, I mean, look at the, the oi scene or the skinhead scene. Like, the drama is everywhere. You know what I mean? I'm just like, this is worse than, a, like, a salon, you know? Like, this is crazy, you know? This guy's, like, for no hair being present at all, this is, like, crazy as salon. Like, and, um, you know, you just have just the, the drama is just kind of like, man, like, there's just a lot of, like, orphan mentalities, like, kids that are just trying to fight for their place in the world, their place in the scene, their place. And to be able to find a home, is a very valuable thing. And I think that's one of the things that music has drawn a lot of people towards is finding a home. And so that's one of the things I do. Um, I think coming home, 
I had a really cool conversation years ago. Not to, it's not a name drop thing, but it was just relevant to what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, we were touring with Matt Freeman from Ranson and with his other band, Devil's Brigade. And one of the things he said, he said, when I go home, my wife is supportive of what I do, but when I'm home, I'm dad. I'm not, I'm not Matt Freeman from Ranson. And I go into dad mode and I'm completely uh, not a different person, but I have to go into a different mode of, yeah. of who I am. And she's and he's like she doesn't care about the road she doesn't care about what just happened she's like you are now my husband and the father to our kids and yeah and why I, didn't I think, the dishes get done <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly I mean, he, he's kind of one of those sweet like laid back kind of guys that he just loves his wife and you know that kind of thing and it was encouraging to hear punk rock icon type say that because it's really important to kind of like you have to disconnect yourself from playing in front of thousands of people one night and then going back to a home and being dad, it's a totally different thing. Your kids don't necessarily care about you the same way that a crowd does. Um, uh, I was, I've been a teacher for years, a substitute teacher, and it was always a very big jolt, jolt to me because I would be on the road for weeks getting affirmation in my musical stuff all the time and then coming and becoming a basically a prison warden for kids who didn't want to be in that classroom and forcing them to learn when they didn't want to and it was just a really weird position to be kind of thrust back into it kept me grounded a lot because I was like this is the real world the punk shows are awesome and the real world too but not not most people's daily life and so while I am blessed to entertain and create an outlet it is not the standard for most of the people I'm playing for this is the best this is the best times for them um which is fun to be in that environment but when it's all the best times only and there is no downtime it it can become really unhealthy Mm -hmm. Um, because they are searching for that next high um, of dopamine kick you know yeah was that i mean did that ever become something that you had to sort of like i guess it happened to you maybe there are issues with that and then you worked through it or were you always sort of just aware of maintaining you know the balance (laughs) <laughs> no. in the early years i mean we were we were in in the early years of flatfoot we were doing 280 shows a year for like six or seven years straight like we were constant i mean we did um we did our we, we bought it we had lost a van and and bought a new van with a better gas mileage and we retraced the same tour route that we had done the year before and we realized that we had dropped thirty eight thousand dollars just in gas alone on our tour and i'm just like man, that's like an entire year's income. If I could have $38,000 at that stage of my life, you know, I was making, I think $500 a month doing those tours. Like um, you realize that this is not sustainable. And I think um, in 2012, I went through a pretty rough divorce. That was kind of a, um, it, it was a wake up call to me. It wasn't because of my touring necessarily. I think it was more of a, a different thing, but it was very much a, okay, this is not healthy. And I think one of the things we said to ourselves was we just got to get out of debt. Like we got to get out of debt so we can actually start living real lives. You know, I can't eat um, instant rice every night. You know, we had a bagpiper that literally he bought a wedding ring. We were making $5, it was like five or $10 a day in per diem. And he bought a wedding ring by saving up his per diem money and his buyouts from shows where the venue gives you money for dinner. And he saved it all up and bought a wedding ring for his girlfriend and we were just like how did you do that like five dollars a day he's like 
he bought sticky rice in an Instapot and he just put soy sauce on sticky rice. It was incredibly unhealthy, but he was in love, you know, it was one of those things. And, and then he left the band and uh, got married, but. Um, okay, good. I was going to say, I hope she said yes. <laughs> she, she did. It lasted. It's a really, it's a really sad story. Um, he's doing great now, but yeah, she, it, she said yes, they got married. And then less than a year later, she ditched. Um, and it was, it was one of those, like, he quit, he quit for, I, I'm sorry, it's, it's just one of those things where you're just like, this dude gave up everything, and it just, it just, she just yeah. totally broke his heart, you know. And it's, yeah, it's, so yeah. his path had some interesting, you know, obstacles, but he didn't yeah. let them keep him down permanently, no. so. No, he was just out playing with us this weekend, actually, um, uh, with his now wife, who is the exact carbon copy of him, and they are made, I've never seen two people made for each other more. And so his story completely got turned around and incredible. Like, but I was always impressed with how much he was like, it was the cutest love story at that point of, of a guy in a band, you know, doing everything for, for this girl that he loved, you know? Um, and it was just really, it was, it was really cute. But um, so that's an incredibly unhealthy lifestyle. 285 80 shows a year is not healthy. Um, we weren't married. You know, we were all single dudes at the time. We were in our young twenties, but it wasn't sustainable. And uh, we experienced a lot of the world really early on. Um, I think stepping back and kind of getting re-acclimated. A big part of it, a big part of things that helped ground us was, again, I was, I was saying my dad was a minister. And we would always have these little old ladies in our church. Like, they were, they were like in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. They had this little prayer group. And they would all take together, they'd grab like $5 a week and they'd put it aside to give the flat foot to help us out on the road. Like, and, and just pray for us on a regular basis. And they were never going to enter a punk scene show, but they were like these little grandmas that just, they believed in us. They believed in our dream and they believed in supporting it. And our church was like all like ex gangbangers and prostitutes. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like your typical suburb church. I was in our city, you know, like church was maybe about 70, 80 people. And, but just people that had really lived life, their, their lives had been ground on the gears of life and they knew what it meant to be in an environment like a bar every night where we were spending time and they knew our hearts for people in that environment, like to be an encouragement and not a discouragement, you know? And uh, so the, the, those ladies, I often think about them because they just kind of fueled our sanity in a lot of ways of just knowing, hey, Lorraine is, you know, she's back thinking about us, you know? <laughs> The weirdest thought, you know, having your grand, like these grandma types, you know, but um, we were really blessed. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, um, I guess, how do you deal with setbacks and obstacles, uh, rejection, that sort of stuff? What is, what does your mindset do? Well, it's changed a lot over the years. I think I, like I said, my faith is a big part of everything. I, it, it kind of helps form everything. And so it, it's kind of more of a, of a dance and a walk with God in that process of things. Like I said, it, to me, punk rock was always about being as authentic as you possibly could. And damn anybody that has a problem with it, you know? Um, and a lot of people have a problem with a uh, punk rock band being people of faith. Like they just, because like I said, the wounds are there, um, which I totally understand. And I have total grace for, I don't, I don't blame people for having the problems. Um, for me, you know, having that setback, I, I came back, we were on tour uh, on that, that, that divorce situation that happened with me in 2012, wrecked my life, like world. I came back from a tour with less than Jake and real big fish 
It was a huge tour. It was doing really well. We had got, it was, it was the point to where we got out of debt. And I came home and my house was half cleared out and, and my whole world just crumbled like instantly. I, I loved this person so much and she was going through her stuff and, you know, going through her, her, her struggles, you know, with the mental things as well. And then years later I found out, you know, it was, it, there was another guy involved and that was like, Oh, that's even worse. But anyway, like the process, the process for it all, um i came home and the only it was weird i've always lived in a big family and i came home to an apartment that had no living soul in it and the only living soul souls in my house were the mice that mice that were getting killed under my sink from traps you know what i mean like so i'm sitting there like trying to come to grips with my life in complete silence i'd never lived in an environment like that i had lived within six feet of other human beings for the last six months straight totally engrossed in, in social social relationship and then coming home to a world that was completely void where the only thing that cared to be in my apartment were mice that were trying to eat my food and it was the lowest I've ever been like it was brutal and that season whenever somebody tells me they're going through that season somebody while I was in the middle of that told me they said you know um don't waste this this season that you're in and i'm like what do you mean i want to get out of this as fast as possible and they said you're going to understand yourself you're going to understand god you're going to understand so much more about the world during this time and this will not last forever and that season at least for my journey and my process turned into one of the 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 closest seasons I had ever had with the God that I said I served. Um, and, and so that process of um, laying on the floor, sobbing, wailing, getting it all out mm -hmm. um, in a dark room, sitting up and writing songs, wrote an entire album. That's how my other band 610 was born it was during that season. And just like getting it out. And so I think mental health stuff, like if you have a creative element to your life, writing songs, uh, painting, doing sculpture, you know, getting into what you do, you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever you do, allow those seasons of difficulty to influence and encourage those creative outlets, because that's going to help you process and, and heal faster. And I don't know if you've ever been in that position where nothing you can do can satisfy the grief that you're in. Like there's nothing, like going out with your friends is, it sucks. Mm -hmm. um, it just makes it worse. Everything reminds me. Doesn't of help. Walks don't help. You just ha you got to fucking ride it out. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's straight up. It's a it's a war of attrition, and you've got to survive. <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to live or die trying. And that and that's the kind of um, um, that place. It's like walking with a constant lump in the bottom of your throat. Um, just a heaviness around you everywhere. And now, you know, I'm so blessed that I remarried a few years later. I've got a beautiful little three-year-old daughter and I've become a better person as a result of my trial, not necessarily the other way around. A lot of people allow their trials to define who they become. Um, and I think it's important to realize that trials aren't the things that define you and how you respond to them are. It's, it's, that's the thing that will, I mean, that seems cliche sometimes, but the reality is, is like, um, and if you get down, if you go through a season of depression, if you go through, you know, suicidal thoughts, I thought about killing myself multiple times during that season. Like, and, you know, that, that's, that stuff flings through your head. I had multiple friends do it. Um, luckily, I had a lot of good people around me that just spoke life. But put yourself around people that are going to speak life if you're in that position. Don't, don't put yourself around depressed individuals who don't have any hope, you know. 
Yeah. Um, Here's an advert in less than 20 seconds. Did you know that Wellness Provisions offers one-on-one wellness sessions? Yep. So if you're seeking to get healthy and ahead in life, but feeling a little stuck, then book a session and let's get you unstuck. Now back to the interview. I will, th- I will throw this in. Uh, my wife now uh, is, is way into more natural things. Um, she, she's she's, a, she's um, not able to have gluten, so she has to stay away from the, she's a gluten intolerant type person. And um, I'm a total Chicago pizza dude. So like, it's been an interesting process of learning like the first time she ever gave me colorful or crust pizza, I was like, "This is an affront to my soul." Like, <laughs> I can't do this. Um, anyway, and, and then we figured out a good one. But like, she's taught me a lot about the physical, taking care of your body a lot more, eating healthy, and showing me that that's that doesn't always have to be a drag. Um, and as I get older, I, I realize that the things you do put in your body are huge, hugely important. So yeah, um, that also helps with the mental health as well. Yeah. And do you, so do you notice a difference like when you eat certain foods versus others and just like energy levels, brain clarity, stuff like that? A little bit. I'll be honest with you. Like, so I, I'm a guy that, and this is going to be, it's going to be completely a shocker to everybody, but I've never been a big drinker. And for our scene, being a Celtic punk band, being in the OI scene for a long time, history rock scene and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't like beer. I just never have. Like, I just don't like the taste of it. I've never been a coffee drinker. And I'm not a straight edge either. Like, I smoke a pipe. I have scotch every once in a while. But, like, it it's just not something. So my lifestyle, outside of what I eat, because I'm that, I'm that gas station snack dude. Like, I'm a combos fiend. I, you know, I'm, I'm a soda junkie. When I've been working on the soda part, because that's horrible for you. Um, I, so my lifestyle is not necessarily as brutal as some of the people I've been around who are, you know, snorting coke and you know all these different things happen you're like what the world like um how are you how am i so like um straight edge-esque i guess you know in this environment you know i mean with the with the oi side of things it's all about drinking like everything and then the celtic side it's it's all about drinking too Uh, but yeah you do you do feel better especially when you get older i think when you're younger it doesn't matter to you as much but then you start feeling every ache and pain 38 i'm not ancient yet but i feel that my body like i've done a lot of traveling like been all over the world and i'm like man i've lived a lot of life for 38 years and i'm only not even halfway through it i hope what am i gonna do with the next 40 you know like you know what's a good supplement for like brain health that i like is there any stuff that is barely i need it (laughs) well no no i I was just thinking about that too because i'm a horrible person with names i can't get names like, mm-hmm. which is horrible when you're trying to remember a band name or people in bands. I remember faces, but um, I, I, I kid often, like, my mind is more like an old school Rolodex, not necessarily an iPhone. Yeah. Um, I have to go flipping through the years of touring and the, you know, the faces I've seen to try to remember people sometimes. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Well, two things to that. One, there is a supplement, but also... Um, self-talk instead of saying i'm terrible with names start telling yourself i remember names i love remembering people's names and because that will i mean just stick to that story and eventually Mm -hmm. that will become you know the mainstay uh and it can help you remember stuff more because you're telling yourself you're going to um supplement wise though lion's mane mushrooms okay those um those are the best 
freaking awesome for uh, just overall like cognition, mental clarity, memory, Ooh. like recall. Okay. Yeah. And, then and that, that's like, not like that's 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 like just regular mushrooms. That's not like the psychedelic or anything, right? No, no, no. Okay. No. I wasn't sure. I, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just mind's main mushrooms. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, there there are of course the psychedelic ones, the psilocybin stuff, mm. but um, things like reishi, chaga, lion's mane, those are all um, medicinal mushrooms in the sense that they're like therapeutic for like you know cellular mm. support and brain cool. function and and stuff like that. Um, Great. And you That's can awesome. buy lion's mane like as a mushroom itself, uh -huh. uh, and and cook it and eat it, but getting it in. Um, you know, like a pill form or a tincture, it's going to be much more concentrated for okay. therapeutic purposes. Great. That's, That's awesome. Do you, yeah. do you sell that? I do sell it. Do I need to order it from you after this interview? I think you should. I, I might I might have to. My wife would totally think that. She'd be like, let's do it. Let's try it. Woo. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Lion's mane is awesome. Okay. Are there cool. any other supplements that, that you take? I used to use a lot of cayenne pepper as well which is kind of like a good like you know blood flow type of thing i'm a big guy i'm 610 and so my blood flow is really important and like you know i just kind of getting things rolling I've, I've learned to be a little bit more my uncle was really into habaneros um and he would he's like dude this will help you with snoring this will help clear out your sinuses this is all the kind of stuff and so um a little bit of that is always is always good um i i, I mostly just you know like vitamin c and seeing things that support your immune system um remembering to take that stuff we always used to have like this we'd buy vitamins for the van and then pass them out to everybody every day just like take these you're not gonna get sick on the road and we're not gonna take care of you you know <laughs> like get your health up you know yeah um, everybody was down with it oh yeah yeah the guys like we were we were one of those bands like we've took band, taken bands out that after a week are completely emaciated and sick and completely destroyed because they didn't know how to tour and because we've been doing so long, we're like, we're interested in the long haul career thing. We're not interested in just going out, partying and drinking and, you know, carousing. Um, we're into doing this because we love music and this is our world, you know. And so whatever we can do to kind of keep that rolling. I'll never forget our current mandolin player I used to be a roommate with. I walked into my kitchen one day and he was making kombucha. And kombucha is a weird, and I know that's supposed to be, I think that's supposed to be good for you. There's been some conflicting things. Uh, in moderation, I guess. Um, kombucha, kombucha looks like a like a fetal pig in a jar when it's being brewed. It looks disgusting. Like, and I'm like, what is that? And why is it on our refrigerator? And he's like, oh, it's kombucha, man. You know, I'm like, I want to throw up just looking at this thing. It was disgusting looking. He was all into that kind of stuff. He's like, oh man, it's so, so good. It is good. And good kombucha is solid. You know, that's fine. So that's another thing it's a little bit hipster but like you know um do you have any other um tips that you would pass on for healthy touring relational uh, you know there's health and then there's relational health and i think one of the biggest problems with a lot of bands is they they, they know how to work out I, I, we were on warp tour one time i think it was dillinger escape plan it was outside of their bus doing you know push-ups they're doing jogging together like they did all these things that stuff is so good um, but you can be so physically fit and relationally just be sucky individuals to each other because you're so close, you're living so close and stuff. And so you keep up your vitamins in the van, you know, have times of just like talking to each other. Uh, don't just, just isolate from everything, but talk to each other. 
make sure that that helps you on stage. It helps you be tighter. It helps everything. When you fight, talk it out afterwards, like come back together and don't just go in silent mode. That will kill your emotions. It'll kill your physical health. Emotional health is physical health. It is a thing that completely can undermine your physical health as well. And so processing, learning how to process, learning how to talk, learning good conflict resolution. You're going to have conflicts with people when you live that close to each other. Learn how to process, learn how to be healthy, learn how to love each other in a way that is honoring, learn how to honor each other. Because that's one of the biggest problems bands have is they just talk down about each other. And nobody wants to be in a band with people that suck like that. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that's just not. So um, that's what I would say. I, I actually do band mentoring um, a lot. And I have another project I do called Six Pen Artist Mentoring that it goes through songwriting, goes through all the different aspects of being in a band and how to tour and how to do all that stuff. I usually deal with bands that are a little bit newer and they're just starting out, but sometimes we'll talk to bands that are on. It's like, we'll sit down and we'll like talk about, hey, so where are you guys at? What's going on? And, you know, how can I help you guys by giving you advice and I'll do that. So um, it's fun. It's fun. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. When did you start doing that? Um, I started about two years ago, actually. It was kind of this weird thing. The band wasn't touring as much as we used to. We slowed down a little bit. We were having kids, but I wanted to connect all of our fans. So, I did two things. I started so I grew our group called the Alley Mob, which is basically the Flatfoot 56 Supporters Club. It's about 250 people that are worldwide that are have become really close and really family. It's really neat. We do events and we go play whirly ball together. We'll we'll meet up for barbecues. We'll go to baseball games. We'll have pool parties. We just had one this weekend with the people from the South and they have special merch and all that kind of stuff. It's so that's kind of like one thing I started. But at that same time, I was like, you know, I really want, I'm a teacher at heart. I love sharing what I've learned with people and I have a real heart to uh, it, when I was teaching at the local high school here I would do a summer program where I teach kids how to write songs and we take them from the beginning of a songwriting process to the recording of it and we bring them through that whole process and they would have a song by the time they were done and I loved it so much I'm like man there's a lot of bands out there that really could use a lot of this information if they want it. this is an opportunity to be able to help them out with it and then in the process I could also hook them up with contacts that I have that might help them out. There was one band we started working with that's done like four music videos with a buddy of mine who does music videos and it's completely changed the perception and the branding for their band and it's been great. So it's neat to be able to help out that way. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. That's cool. So kind of, uh, cause I just want to touch on this before we end yeah. up wrapping up. So you mentioned that you've helped others through kind of, you know, depressive periods of their life or through loss do you have um I don't know I don't want to say like a method but like how do you support others one of the biggest things that people lack in the world they live in is is consistency people that are just going to consistently be there and love them and you can't promise that forever I mean, no, none of us are promised tomorrow and I think he's cool with me sharing this um our bagpiper Eric um was our merch guy for years. He, he would travel with us and we actually took him out for a long, lengthy tour right after his dad had passed away. And that loss in his life was, a, I mean, hugely tragic, really brutal. He was, he was about, I think he was about 16 when it happened. And he was the kid we had grown up with. And so we, we grabbed him and we took him on the road. And he was kind of like one of those early fans of the band. He was always around, he was always there. And then when our Piper Josh left, um, he stayed stepped in and, and became our new piper because Josh had trained him how to play the pipes. And so walking with him through the process of all these years of just trying to navigate that tragic loss 
um, and just trying to be consistent with them. Like, I think knowing what your role is in somebody's life is really important. Um, you, you can try to step into being the answer, but also just being really a reader of the situation or reading of, a reader of people and understanding, okay, what is the thing that I need to be for this person right now? I've been that person that tried to step in and be the answer or be the, you know, all encompassing, I'm going to help fix you. And you, you can't do that. You can't fix, none of us can fix anybody. Uh -huh. um, but allowing people to have a consistent shoulder to lean on, um, a consistent person that says, you know what, I'm here for you, man, no matter what, like we're, we're in this together. And I think that's the big, really important thing to do. I think also just being willing to listen to people, to talk is huge. A lot of people don't have a verbal, some people aren't verbal. I'm a total verbal processor, if you haven't noticed that already. Um, but some people don't let it out. And it becomes almost like an infection. It, it, it's an emotional infection that huh. keeps them alive. And then eventually, as life goes on later on, they start having mental breakdowns. They don't know why. You know, they're being told that they're bipolar and all these different things because maybe it's chemical. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it's, it's just emotional stuff that was never able to be dealt with. And, mm -hmm. um, I'm no psychologist, but I knew a few. And most of them are like, yeah, usually everything is rooted in trauma. Any addiction can be rooted back to a particular form of trauma that hasn't been dealt with or even realized. So yeah, it's consistency. It's hard though. It's, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of love and it's not always easy because you just want to shake people sometimes and be like, you're better than this. I believe in you. You know what I mean? Like, um, but they have but, to believe it. And that is so hard sometimes, most mm -hmm. of the time. What you said about self-talk though is huge for everybody like to speak life over people i think that's one thing as a band it's flat foot like uh, one of the early things that we wrote and this might sound a little bit morbid but one of the early earliest things that we decided we wanted to be as a band was i said i never want to write a song that is is the last song somebody listens to before they off themselves I never want to write a song that's going to be something that discourages them from living i want to be that song that keeps them it was like my prayer. It was like the thing was like, I want this band to keep people alive. And we said that early on in our history. And it's funny how many people have come up. Even this weekend, there's multiple people that walked up and just said, hey, I was this close to, I had a gun in my mouth or I had, you know, um, I was I was driving to go do it. And then I saw your song came on and it completely shifted my, I'm here today because of that. My kids are alive today because of that. And that's like the coolest thing as a musician to say, you know, I've, I've been a part of somebody's ability to keep moving forward and to yeah. keep, it's like things get better. I think that's the thing. People, people lose hope that things can't get better. And it's, I'm a total testimony of something that, you know, life can get better. It's not this. Yeah. All the time. And making an, a, a concentrated effort with intention to seek out inspiration, to be open to inspiration. Yeah. Big yeah. time big time and that's the cool thing as a musician you get the privilege of being able to take your failures your struggles and turn it into nutrients right um it's like one of my favorite quotes and this isn't the quote i was going to tell you about later but because uh, i know we're going to talk about quotes but uh, one of my favorite quotes is um this might even be mine actually so here's here's a wisdom piece from tobin um life will always deal you shit it's up to you whether or not you want to allow that shit to be fertilized or if you just want it to sit there and stink and um, fertilizer can grow some pretty beautiful things, but shit's always gonna come. It's always gonna be there. It's not, it's life, you know, <laughs> some worse for than for others, but. Uh, totally, yeah, positive, positive outlook. And 
basically just wanting, wanting to be positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is your, what is your favorite quote? Your absolute most favorite quote? Well, I actually had to look up a few because I'm a big quotes guy. I got so many that I'm, I'm always like, when I was teaching history, I was always pulling quotes up for bell ringers and stuff. And, um, but this person has always been a person in my family's history that has meant a lot to us. My sister was actually named after her. Her name's Corey Ten Boom. Um, she wrote a book called The Hiding Place. She was a, a World War. She was a survivor of Auschwitz prison camp, and she wasn't Jewish. She was actually Dutch. But she wrote this quote, and she's my dad actually met her in a, an elevator at a conference one time, and she was so inspiring. She's a little old lady, and her big thing was about forgiveness and also about worrying. And the, the quote I'm going to share with you is about worry, and it basically says, uh, "Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of sorrow; it empties today of strength." Um, and I think that that's something in my life that I've always struggled with is like, especially when you're a musician and you're kind of like honing your entire life around music, especially the last two years, like having everything fall out from underneath you and your entire income be shot, um, because of a pandemic, which who would have thought, right. Um, you definitely start to go, man, like 20 years of my life has been spent just doing this. How am I going to survive this? And I got to get creative and I got to do some other stuff. And so learning that provision is there, that there is ways to do things that God, in my, you know, in my tradition, in my viewpoint, God is faithful and he's always taking care of stuff. I, I literally had a this is crazy one of those weird moments but I was fighting with my wife over finances one day we were in a parking lot of a grocery store and we were just like arguing over finances as couples do and I look over and there's a dude walking into the grocery store with a hoodie on and on the back of the hoodie was the classic run DMC logo but on it it said God's got this with a money sign underneath it and I'm like Oh my gosh, like I, was, I burst out laughing in the middle of our fight. She's like, what are you laughing at? Like we're in the middle. And I was like, you gotta see this. Like look at the, you know, and she just burst out laughing too. But, um, and it totally happened that way. Like it, what we were fighting about was not worth fighting over. And it completely, um, it was worry taking over our lives. And I think hope and speaking, speaking truth, what you know, not necessarily what you feel. Our culture really celebrates just say what you feel, just, and it's like, but what if you feel shit? Like, what if you feel like crap? It's okay to be honest about that. Don't bury it. But at the same time, sometimes all we do is speak life into the crap. We don't realize that a lot of our words do have power, you know, with what you say, with frequencies. I, have you ever been at a show and a band plays a song that evokes something inside of you? You don't even know what they're saying, but you know what you're experiencing emotionally. So like, there's a reason why hate breed shows always breed fights like this hate breeds coming in and tearing it up and bringing, you know, the mentality of their songs. Um, and then there's other shows where you go to and you always feel like partying and dancing. And, and there's, there's just a mode of spirit. There's a mode of energy. There's a mode of creativity going on that different bands bring. Um, I won't say who it is, but I've also been in environments where as soon as a band played, the room got extremely dark and extremely heavy and you're just like what is going on i don't feel a lot of stuff i'm not one of those like some people feel pick up vibes like, and stuff. i'm not that kind of person. whatever an empath uh, yeah yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not that way but this was just it was like a, it was like a dark cloud came over them, and it was they were good musically it was tough and good and awesome but i'm like there is something seriously dark about this and i don't know what it is but it's just 
people's countenance changed. It was a trip. I was, I was, man. So anyway. That's taking me a minute to process. Now I'm not drawing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm processing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the energy is like, I feel like the word energy gets thrown around more yeah. than it should these days. But yeah. in that regard, that's truly uh, what that is. Trippy. I, I have a friend that came and saw us play, and this was kind of a cool thing for me to hear. She said, she, we played a club called Reggie's, and she had been really heavy into the, like, really, like, um, heavy, heavy metal scene. And she's like, I swore to myself I would never go to Reggie's again because of the evil things that I had experienced there at the shows I used to go to. And today was the first time I've come back here, and this room is not the same room I was ever in. It's completely different. And she's like, and it's because of what you guys bring and what the bands that played tonight bring. I was just like, man, like, you know, when you think about that, the impact that all of us have on the world around us. Yeah, collectively. Yeah. So the fear thing, like, which we're dealing with a lot in our culture right now, fear is is ruling the day. And we got to ask ourselves, why are we giving into this? And I'm not toting one philosophy over another. It's just like, are you walking in fear? Is that defining... My parents were telling me they're like hey we went up on uh they're out out west uh, climbing mountains right now um and they were like we were up on top of a mountain and there was a hiker by himself wearing a mask <laughs> we're like why are you doing that and it was just like that was just i'm not against masks it was just one of those funny things we're like i don't understand like there's barely air up here <laughs> like, why are you? you know but that was just that's that's the kind of thing that people are in and they're scared you know and um we need to be careful at at what we proselytize as truth and what we you know what we facilitate as culturally okay you know what what are we doing you know yeah i mean the trap with fear though is uh very quickly it becomes comfortable so then Uh, you know you don't want to break out of it it's like Mm -hmm. it's it's a warm fuzzy blanket here's a motherfucker you have to want to be uncomfortable otherwise Mm -hmm. you're just slowly dying and i think that that helps people that judge those that do wear it um to understand that like to understand like get a little empathy for people like you don't know what their immune system looks like you don't know what their experience with doctors has been Mm -hmm. um you have no idea what they've been through or the trauma that they've experienced in their lives. So stop running around, be appreciate everybody, um, respect people's situation. Um, and that, and that, you know, again, with whatever, just, just the concept of fear and living in fear, like it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to change that. If someone wants to, it's, it's often very difficult to, to see beyond that. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And it, like I said, but we live in a culture right now that is just, everybody's afraid of something mm-hmm. and everybody else likes to po- poke that fear it's fear porn we live in a society that's been completely saturated my, my sister-in-law had a great quote she said here's another quote for you um yeah uh fear is the new sex and it sells um fear is the new what fear is the new sex and it sells and it's, it's very much, you know, the old phrase sex sells, you know, it's that kind of thing. It, it's, that's not the new Vogue thing. It's, it's fear now. And we need to understand that that's something that it's a manipulation thing that's happening with a lot of people on all sides. Everybody's doing it. So um, stop the cycle, man. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. 
So. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm changing. I'm asking you basically the last question now. Okay. So the tagline for my business is delay dying, which kind of, you know, it's a good segue from what we're talking about anyways. Um, mm -hmm. So what, I guess, tips or advice would you give to someone to delay dying or in other words, live happy and healthy? Um, well, one goes to the quote that I shared earlier about worry. Uh, worry doesn't ever get you anything. It just heightens your blood pressure, maybe gives you a few gray hairs, but doesn't really get you anywhere. It empties today and um, robs you of strength tomorrow. Um, and so no matter what, you can't control what's going to happen tomorrow or today. And you can't change what the past has done. You can only change it yourself today and then go forward um, and shift. I think forgiveness is another one too. I think um, it's, it's a hard one. Um, and I think the important thing to remember is forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean you run back into a relationship with somebody that's been abusive. That's not what I'm saying. But I think there's a lot of freedom that can be found in saying, you know what, I, I forgive this person, even though I'm not, my boundaries, um, forgiveness with boundaries is healthy. Um, it doesn't mean you have to like throw yourself back into an environment that's dangerous for you physically or emotionally, but you can walk in forgiveness and forgiveness isn't a one-time stop thing. Um, it's a daily decision to walk in forgiveness to somebody who's blatantly wronged you. And sometimes, I've talked to my kids about this, a lot of times that person doesn't even have to say they're sorry or be apologetic for what happened. Forgiveness is the kind of thing that when you walk in it, you realize the person that you've actually set free is yourself, not the person necessarily that was, I mean, some people don't even know that they offended you. Um, some know it, but don't care. Um but you're still walking around with that. And I think one of the biggest things that we do in our society is what others have done to us to define who we are. And, and that's not, um, it's not right. That, that's not saying you don't learn from your experience, but what somebody does to you in stepping in and defining who you are um, through a horrific situation or whatever, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve to define who you are. Your response to it, um, can dictate whether they do or not. And so it's a, it's an issue of control. And so I, I think that's something to be aware of. Uh, and I'm getting really deep with this, but like, it's just very much like I've, I've seen way too many people define everything about themselves based off of some asshole from their past who told them that's what they were and realize a fool when you see it and think about the things that have been spoken over your life that you have believed and that you've taken on yeah. as a part of who you are and your identity and actively disassemble those, dismantle those bombs and don't let them define your life. And, you know, meditate, think about those things, think about what they might be. Sometimes you might not even be aware of it. It could be a little thing that was set over you when you were a kid and it just stuck with you your whole life. And it's really not at your heart who you are. And that's, yeah. um, people don't deserve, people and their bad behavior and bad and, and their trauma don't deserve to recreate drama for you either. A trauma, Absolutely. not drama, trauma, yeah. So um, I think that's what I would say is forgive. Don't walk in worry. Go to a go to a friggin' forest preserve and go for a walk alone. Don't bring anybody with you. Leave your phone in the car and just go out and just experience nature. If you don't live in an area with good nature, then... <laughs> It's out there. It's within 30 minutes. Yeah. We'll find something. Yeah. Big time. Big time. So those are good. And the other thing too, um, that I, I just want to add that I think is helpful 
you know, accept what the past, what happened in the past, you know, process that, that whole can of worms, but focus on how do I want to feel in my future? What do I want to do in my future? You know, so that you, you know what you're working towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a great old, without, without vision, the people will perish, right? It's like, it's like without a vision of where you're going, what you're working towards, you get lost in hopelessness. And so find something that you can look forward to. Get, get some win for each day. Like, what is the one thing I want to have completed by today? You know, yeah. I want to get the garbage out. I got the garbage out. I, I win, was, you know? I like, was going to say, yeah, for some people, it's like making the bed or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's okay if it's a small, perceived as a small goal, because that's the size of that is different for everybody, what it means. But the baby steps thing, you know, not to get all more about Bob, but that's the total truth. That's it's totally the truth. So yeah. um, get the small wins, get the little things that you can celebrate getting done. And uh, it's really good. I like, I like your heart with all this. This is really neat to like hear somebody wanting to engage with health in general. Like it's so needed. So. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Okay. Do you guys have anything cool coming up or coming out that you would like to share on? Sure. Um, Flatfoot's kind of, uh, we're actually, uh, it's a little bit in the future next spring. We're going to be putting out a split with a band called the Rumjacks from, from Australia. Um, it'll be a three song split. Also, uh, I have an interview with their singer, uh, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Rookie. Yep. So that's, that, that's, that interview's out. So if someone wants to watch it, it's, it's on the channel. Yeah. He was, uh, we, met, we, we met Mike, we met Mike with, uh, with his other band, Mickey Rakeshaw, who is a phenomenal yeah. band. You need to check them out. Mm-hmm. A wild group of dudes are a blast. And uh, yeah. So, and he got the dream job for a lot of singers. He got asked to be the singer of the Rum Jacks. The Rum Jacks do really well in Europe and Australia and, um they do they're just a great band so and i think he's even making them better you know he's he's doing a great job for them so um yeah so we're looking at doing a three song uh split with them we've just been doing a lot with like i said our supporters group all in mob um doing a lot of different you know projects and stuff and, and then I, I have my other band 610 which is more of a folk americana band so we've been doing more with that too so just a lot of good things music's always on the horizon good things happening so yes and especially with your music it's it's coming from a place of love so. yeah <laughs> it's 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 funny how fuzzy warm and fuzzy sometimes we can kind of come off with the genre that we chose to play in but like i said it's 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 a positive hearted thing you gotta be who you are and you can't you don't want to fake it. i think that's one of the big things figure out who you are be it authentically and then go to that thing and make sure that you know what you perceive that you are is really who you are and not just somebody's recreation of, of trauma um but find out who you are. And, and it's really neat when people do that authentic. I get goosebumps when I watch artists who I can tell from a mile away that that's who they are and they're just being their authentic self. It makes me so happy. Like, it's the best thing ever. It's like, that's you. You did it. You did it. Like, it's the, it's the you've arrived. So, um, doesn't happen a lot, but so, yeah, it's powerful when it does. All right, dude, thank you so much. This, oh man, there's like so many rabbit holes I wanted to go down, but for the sake of time, I think we covered a lot of super important ground and thank you for sharing your, your insights. It's been cool. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.